Well, I uh, invite you to turn to our passage this morning. Uh, if you have the Black Bible, it's over on page 966. Um, or your own Bible or your Bible app, it's 2 Corinthians 6. We're returning to our study of, of 2 Corinthians, picking up in chapter 6. If you've been with us in our study, you might uh, remember that this is, this is the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, writing to the church in Corinth. And this is a, a group of believers that he has this very up-and-down relationship with. Uh, he was the one who planted the church some years back, uh, but it's been rocky uh, in, 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 recent, in recent times, uh, including the arrival in Corinth of some, some, uh, some rival leaders. Not only do they bring some false teaching with them, but they're also uh, highly critical of Paul, trying to encourage the Corinthians uh, to, uh, to abandon their, uh, their loyalty to Paul and his gospel. Uh, Paul's not very impressive. Paul's not very trustworthy. Uh, Paul's, a, uh, Paul's a failure. Get rid of him. Uh, and Paul writes this letter uh, to help to heal that relationship and in the process encourage the Corinthians to keep their eyes on Christ. And you see all those themes kind of bundled together in our passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and the first uh, 13 verses. So let's, let's go ahead and, and read. This is God's word. Working together with him then... We appeal to you to not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance, inflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, uh, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. Uh, in return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. Let's pray again. Father, we do pray that you would use your word as you have appointed as this, this means of grace, this means of, of, of convincing and converting those who don't know you and, and building up, uh, Lord, those who are who are your children. Do that even here this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So you've, you've heard this question before. Where in the world did that come from? 
You've heard somebody say that. Where in the world did that come from? It's the kind of thing we say when something completely unexpected arrives. Uh, so maybe it's maybe it's your child that's normally chatty and cheerful, and then all of a sudden they storm off from the kitchen table. Why doesn't everybody just leave me alone? Where, where in the world did that come from? Not what you expect. Uh, I, I was thinking of a, of a time, uh, an old job of mine, summer job, a co-worker, uh, a woman who never spoke two personal words to anybody ever. You'd pass her in the hallway, her feet would be right, her eyes would be at her feet the entire time. And then all of a sudden, one day, in the middle of nowhere, she spun her chair around, looked me straight in the eye, and gave me the most generous compliment. Oh, where in the world did that come from? Kind of thing when, when we, we say when something's completely unexpected. I wonder if that's a perfect question to ask the Apostle Paul and 2 Corinthians 6. As we get, we get the Apostle Paul getting into very personal details about his, his life and his ministry as a servant of God, uh, it's probably a good question to ask. Paul, where in the world did that come from? Because the, the details that he describes are not ones uh, that, if we're thinking about it, that we would expect. Well, it's, it's not exactly how, how the, the Corinthians, especially the Corinthians influenced by those, uh, those super apostles, those rivals, uh, the, the, the way they would expect Paul to talk. Uh, and if we know anything about Paul's old life, Right, the, the, the Pharisee Paul, the, the persecutor of the church Paul, and then you read this description of, of his life now, you, you should be asking, wow, where in the world did that come from? And it's a good question to ask because it, it, it focuses on what's, uh, what's surprising about the passage, what's a, little, what's a little shocking about it. And it helps us as we think about translating it into, into our world. So Paul's describing his, his life as a servant of God. Uh, and, and in a real way, all of God's people are servants of the Lord. In fact, servant is one of the, uh, one of the most common ways of referring to a, to a believer and the life of a believer in Christ. They're, they're a servant, a servant of the Lord. Okay, so our service to the Lord isn't exactly like Paul's, but but we're still uh, called to be servants of God. So what does that look like? Well, Paul's going to tell us, uh, through his own description of his service, a little bit of what it looks like to be a servant of the Lord. But we also then can ask that question, that where in the world did that come from question, to help us understand how in the world this might happen in us to be a servant of the Lord. Right? Because... Well, if we don't ask that question, that where in the world did that come from question, uh, we, we could end up either really proud or really discouraged. Uh, right? We could look at Paul's description and, and think, wow, Paul's really good at this. Uh, and you look at yourself and be like, yeah, but I, I stink at this, so I give up. Uh, or, or maybe I'll try a little hard, real harder for a while and, and then I won't get anywhere near what Paul does and so I'll then I'll quit. You end up discouraged. Or maybe the opposite. You read Paul's description. It's like, oh, yeah, I got that. I'm, yeah, doing it, crushing it, good. And you end up proud. Uh, either way, your eyes are on yourself. Uh, so that question of, okay, Paul, where in the world did this come from in your life? 
will help us keep our eyes on the right place. Uh, Paul, persecutor, a violent man, uh, now all of a sudden he's this servant of the Lord. Where did that come from, Paul? And where might it come from us? Uh, okay, I'll start off by giving you the answer. Jesus. Where in the world did it come from? Jesus. Uh, an important answer, not just because it's the Sunday school answer to every question, uh, but... Um, but but it's a it's an unsurprising answer because well it's been Paul's theme all along. If you've been with us, we've we've seen this kind of undercurrent through Second Corinthians uh, that the that the life of a believer uh, is all tied up with Jesus, uh, what we like to call our our union with Christ. That all the blessings of salvation come to us because we're united to Christ. So that everything that is Christ now becomes ours. And now as, as Paul here talks about one aspect of, of, of being a believer, serving the Lord, uh, we start to see it, oh yeah, this, this looks like someone who's tied into Jesus uh, by God's grace. You look at Paul's description, all of a sudden it's, that, that looks a lot like Jesus. In fact, that looks like exactly like Jesus, right? So Paul as servant of the Lord uh, starts to reflect the servant of the Lord. Maybe we could call it uh, Paul's life is an is an echo of Jesus. Kids, kids, you know what an echo is, right? All right, so you go into some big uh, empty room uh, and you and you shout out and you get an echo, right? Hello, 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 hello. an echo. <laughs> Uh, it's, you know, it's the, 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 the echo isn't identical to what you first said, right? It's a little, little bit softer, maybe a little less clear, but there's this, there's this definite resemblance uh, to what was first spoken and what the echo comes back. And what you see here in, in Paul's ministry as a servant of God is, well, he is a, he's an echo of Jesus, right? Not identical, uh, but, but there's this definite definitive connection uh, to Christ, right? That Jesus as the servant of the Lord, and then sure enough, Paul in his life, in the details, is this echo of Jesus, and that's exactly what he calls us to, and there's where the, the fuel comes from. How in the world will we get there? Well, you, you connected to Jesus, and all of a sudden your life starts more and more echoing him. So let's see if we can see it in the, in the details. We'll talk about a couple, of, a couple of key points listed there in your outline on the back of the bulletin. Talk about a servant's goal, a servant's life, and a servant's heart. Uh, so first, a servant's goal. So this is, this is getting into the first few verses. It's really a transition from what he said before, actually really continuing the same thought. Uh, remember in chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, especially the end, is all about uh, Paul talking about how God reconciles us to himself. Uh, so we're, we're alienated from God because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. We're, we're separated from him. But here's God in his love. He, he heals the relationship. He reconciles the relationship. How does he do that? He deals with our sin. And he described at the end of chapter 5 how he does it in his, in his son. Uh, that he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's how God saves us and, and reconciles us to himself. He sends his son, who, who knew no sin, he's spotless, 
Uh, but but he, he, he bears our sin, and in his death on the cross bears the guilt and the punishment of our sin, so that there's no guilt left for us, and there's no punishment left uh, for us who, who trust in Christ. And thus we become righteous and, and are reconciled to God. And that's how he ends chapter 5. So he picks right up in chapter 6 with urging the Corinthians. Well, let's, let's read what he urges them. Uh, verse 1. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. Well, he might be appealing uh, to those in the Corinthian congregation who've, who've heard of Jesus and so received that grace of hearing and haven't responded, haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus. So he could be speaking to them. Uh, he might also be appealing to those who have who've already confessed Christ and, and urging them to hold fast in their devotion to the Lord and, uh, and to have that flow out into their lives. Or, or maybe he's doing a little bit of both. But either way, you see what he's doing. He's urging, uh, he's urging the Corinthians uh, to receive this good news of Jesus and his reconciling work, uh, to receive it and to cling to it, to hold fast to it. Uh, and then he gives the reason why, uh, why they should and why he's so passionate. That's verse 2. Why uh, hold on to Jesus? Why receive him and cling to him? Uh, verse 2. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So here's Paul. He's quoting Isaiah 49. It's a whole section of Isaiah where where God uh, is predicting this, this age that's going to come, this work of God that he's going to do, where he rescues his people. He brings in, in fact, a, a whole new age of, of rescue and redemption. And in fact, the whole creation is going to be remade uh, in, this, in this saving age, uh, this day of salvation. And then Paul comes along and says, yeah, that, that prediction of that promise of Isaiah, Paul says, it's here. It's arrived, right? Because Jesus arrived, uh, this, this day of salvation, this age of rescue, it's right in front of us. It's right here. Uh, and that's why he urges the, uh, the, the Corinthians to, to cling to Christ and to, uh, to trust him and continue to trust him and walk with him. And he says, don't you understand the time in which you're living? This is, this is that day of rescue. Uh, this is the age when God is, is rescuing and renewing. This is the time to cling uh, to him. So you start to see what, uh, what Paul's goal was. So as a servant of the Lord, uh, his goal uh, was to have other people know and, and continue to cling uh, to the Savior. Right? Have people to know Christ and continue to follow him. That was his, that was his goal. But we should ask that question. Where in the world did that come from? Uh, because the old Paul uh, was, was passionate about keeping people from Jesus, right? In doing everything he could, including great violence uh, and, and harm, to keep people from trusting in Jesus. Now all of a sudden he's saying, this is his whole goal? Where did that come from? Uh, well, it's because Paul met Jesus, Jesus literally stopped Paul in his tracks, uh, stopped him from the way he was going, and, and, opened, and opened his eyes. 
uh, saved him, right? It was Jesus' mercy to Paul. Uh, Jesus showing up to Paul there on that Damascus road. Jesus had every right to strike Paul down. Paul was as guilty as they come. Uh, but, but Jesus shows up in front of him and has mercy on him. He saves him. You could say for Paul, that the day of salvation showed up in his life. Right? That was that was what that was what God did. So you start to see uh, what the servant of the Lord is up to. Right? Paul, yes, servant of the Lord, uh, but he's he's an echo of the servant of God, Jesus. What's what's Jesus' goal? Uh, well, this is this is the, the, the age when he's saving. He's seeking and saving the lost. He's, he's showing mercy uh, by bringing himself, right? Uh, by allowing people to know him, like Paul got to know him, and it changed everything for Paul. It, it rescued Paul and, and turned him around, uh, right? So the goal of the servant of the Lord uh, is, is, to, is to point people to himself and to rescue them and, and help them to continue to cling to him. Uh, so that's the servant of the Lord's goal. Uh, so then our, our goal is, is, well, we're just that echo of Jesus. Um, right? So, uh, so we think about ourselves. Uh, like, like Paul, we're, we're those who are called to be servants of the Lord. Uh, not exactly the same ways, but, but we have the same goal. Uh, that we're called to the Lord so that we can, and, and part of our calling is to point others to him. Whether it's those who don't know him or those who do know him, to encourage them in the in the faith, and that's that's not easy. That's hard. It's a hard calling, a hard goal. Uh, where would the strength come from to do that? Well, Jesus, uh, Jesus, which is why we return again and again in the Christian life to to Him, uh, to return again and again to what He's done for us. To uh, that he stepped into our lives and, and turned us around. That he showed us grace. That, uh, that he made us into this new, new creature in Christ. Uh, we meditate on how the, the day of salvation has, has dawned in our lives. And that gives us more and more strength to be able to be that, that echo of Jesus to the world. Uh, to be able to, to have that overflow uh, into pointing others to the same Jesus who, who showed up in our lives. So the servant's goal. And we can talk about the servant's life. Uh, a servant's life. And here we come to verses 4 through 10. And, and Paul gives us this very long list of all these different aspects of his life. Uh, depending on how you count, something like 29 different things he mentions. And, and uh, well, well why, why in the world is he doing this? Well, he explains why he's doing this. Uh, why go on this long list? Well, verse 4, he says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. We commend ourselves. So remember, here, here's Paul talking to these Corinthians, and, and there, are these, there are these rivals in the background, these super apostles, uh, who, are, who, are, who are criticizing Paul, who are, who are challenging the Corinthians. You've got to get rid of this guy. You've got to have nothing to do with him. Uh, and so Paul is forced... Uh, since, since he's the one who represents and brings forth Jesus, Paul's forced to defend and commend his own ministry. Um, but you look at how he, how he does that, right? This, this long list of things, uh, how he commends his ministry, and it's not, it's not what we expect. This, this is 
this is not the way most people talk up their ministry. You know, if you've if you've been around kind of ministry leaders or pastors or you know people, you know, they're if they tend to talk up their ministry, you know, they don't talk like this. Not typically. You know, you know, typically it's like, oh, you know, the, this is this is growing, and you know, more and more people, or or here's this new dramatic venture we're we're shoving off on, or uh, or here's how these lives are being dramatically changed. Uh, but Paul says these most unusual things as he's trying to commend his own ministry. Uh, well, let's take a look, and and we'll look for how how Paul's description of his life. Is this echo of Jesus, the servant of the Lord? Um, okay, so you can basically divide Paul's list into, into three categories. Uh, the bad, the good, and the paradoxical. Let's just quick take them uh, one at a time. So the bad. Uh, essentially, that's verses four to five. So he, gives this, he commends his ministry by listing all these bad things. Great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Now, we know from the book of Acts, Paul's not making this up. Uh, this, uh, this most definitely was his life as a servant of the Lord. You just flip your way through Acts, and all of a sudden you see, just at every turn, pretty much, he's, he's facing all kinds of hardships. You know, oh, look, there's, there's Paul. He's being stoned in Lystra. And, oh, and he, then, he's, then he's beaten and arrested in Philippi. And, oh, he's being chased out of Thessalonica because uh, people turn violent. And, oh, look, there's a riot in Ephesus, and he's almost killed by it. And, oh, he goes to Jerusalem, and he's arrested uh, and almost torn apart. You know, and on you could go. This, this is Paul's experience. Um, and yet, remember, he's commending his ministry. Uh, he's bringing up these things uh, in order to defend and commend his ministry. But, but these are the very kinds of things that those super apostles are pointing to to try to say, this is why Paul is not very impressive. Look at Paul's life. Look how weak he is. Look how unimpressive he is. Look how he often looks like a failure. This is why you want nothing to do with this guy, they're saying. And Paul points to the same things in order to commend his ministry. Now, and maybe we can even just stop there and think about ourselves. Uh, in, in your efforts to, to serve the Lord, uh, do you see things that, well, they look unimpressive? Uh, do you feel things in your service to the Lord that just seem hard? Uh, maybe they even seem like failures? Right? You know, maybe, maybe you're thinking of your efforts to serve your family or serve in the church or, uh, or, or, or be a light in the world. And you look back on all that stuff and you just see a number of different things. That, oh, that just doesn't look very impressive. Uh, actually, it looks like a lot of really hard, hard, hard things. And maybe it kind of feels like a failure. Now, you might not have super apostles uh, as 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 uh, cr criticizers and critique and critics of your uh, of your work, um, but you very well might have an inner critic. Uh, you, you have a little super apostle in your head, uh, kind of pointing to those things and saying, "Yeah, this is why uh, you're a failure. Uh, this is why you're amounting to nothing in your service to the Lord. Look, it's unimpressive. It's hard stuff. It's, it looks like failure. Look, 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 look." Which is why we, we need a passage like this, where Paul comes to these things 
and says, actually, this is what is commending uh, his ministry. Well, 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 how would that be? Why, why would that be? And again, we start to think echo. Paul is echoing Jesus. Uh, go back to this list again. Doesn't this form basically a perfect description of Jesus? Right? Think, think, think Jesus. Afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Oh yeah, that's Jesus. And remember what that, that was for Jesus. Yes, it was, was the things that made others look on and think unimpressive. But it was by no means Jesus failing. In fact, that was his work. And that was what he, what, what through which he, he was seeking and saving the lost. Uh, this, is, this is a description of his, of his victory. And so Paul, as, as servant of this Lord Jesus, uh, as an echo of this great suffering servant of the Lord, uh, should we be surprised that Paul's life echoes this, reflects this, and doesn't reflect it as, uh, as this is, this is what's, what's awful about his ministry, but actually this is what God is using, uh, what God is, is, is shining forth to point to Jesus, right? These very things. Uh, and of course, we can, we can speak that to our own inner critic. Uh, yeah, sometimes our service of the Lord looks very unimpressive. Uh, a lot of times it feels very hard. Um, but that doesn't mean God's not using it, uh, even powerfully. You think of Jesus, and you think echo. So the bad. Then there's the good. Uh, this is essentially verses 6 and 7. Uh, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, the power of God. Uh, so Paul's giving a list of, of now uh, good things. Um, but, but what he highlights here is, is not outward, flashy ministry successes. These are, these are the, the inward, quiet, you could say, character things that the Lord is doing. Uh, elsewhere, a lot of these, Paul lists says, fruit of the Spirit. He even mentions the Holy Spirit right there, right there in the middle of it. And we could, we could ask that question. Okay, Paul, where, where did this come from in your life? Because this does not sound at all like the old Apostle Paul. All right, the old Apostle Paul, in many ways, was the exact opposite. He wasn't kind. Uh, he, was, he was seeking to imprison and put to death. Uh, he wasn't patient. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't loving. Quite, quite the opposite. So, where did this come from? Well, again, we start to think of Jesus. Doesn't doesn't this sound a lot like Jesus in his earthly ministry? Uh, Jesus surrounded by by evil, uh, and yet he's he's shockingly pure in the midst of it. Uh, Jesus filled with all knowledge that he speaks forth in order to in order to rescue. Uh, he's interacting with the worst of sinners, and yet he's patient and he's kind. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he speaks boldly what's true and the power of God, so people can know know the Lord. Right? This is this is Jesus. Uh, and here's Paul. Paul is now united to this Jesus. Paul has this same spirit that Jesus does. And so, and so Paul, as, 
awful as his old life was, now begins to to echo Jesus more and more and reflect his his goodness. And and so it'll be with us. So it'll be with us. If if you're trusting in Christ, it means you are connected to this Jesus. Uh, So again, connected to Jesus, all that's Jesus becomes yours. Uh, And this is part of it. More and more uh, in in Christ, we start to echo the the kindness and the love uh, and and the power of Jesus. And if we want to grow in that, Right? We want to grow as servants of the Lord. Uh, we also then get the, the path to that. You want to grow as a servant of God? Well, keep returning to Jesus again and again. Uh, keep returning uh, to him, whether you're in church or maybe you're reading your Bible or you're praying again. Go back to Jesus and, and his kindness to you and his patience to you and, and his, his purity for, uh, for your sake, his genuine love, his power, his truth. Uh, and as you focus on that, sure enough, it's going to echo in your life more and more. So the good, the bad, the paradoxical. Uh, so this is uh, this is uh, kind of eight to ten. Uh, you get this whole series of of pairs, uh, and and they're they're put together. They're they're kind of each a paradox. They're they're almost opposite characteristics paired uh, paired one one to one. And, and there, there seems to be a, a common construction. So, so the first of, of each pair uh, are, are characteristics uh, that represent Paul um, in this fallen world. Uh, an aspect of how, uh, how the fallen world would represent Paul uh, or, or an aspect of Paul's life that's bound up with this present age but passing away. Uh, so you take some of those uh, some of those beginning beginning pairs, say say beginning in the end of verse eight. Uh, then the first of each, see the common theme again, bound up with the the fallen world, treated as an imposter, unknown, dying, punished, sorrowful, poor, having nothing. Then you get to the second item in each pair, and and this is is Paul's life, but but bound up with that day of salvation, bound up with that. That age of Christ that's breaking in. Uh, this is this is representing Paul's true identity in Christ, his his heavenly citizenship, that that which lasts and endures. This is go back to the list. You could true, well known. We live not killed, rejoicing, making many rich, possessing everything. That's what that's what lasts. What's true for Paul uh, into eternity. And yet, uh, they show up for Paul in his service to the Lord, uh, they show up together. They're bound together. You can't pull them apart like I just did. Uh, they show up together, which, which in many ways is a reflection of, of the time in which we live, the, the age in which we live. Uh, because there's this, there's this darkness, that's, uh, this dark age that's still here. Uh, but yet this day of salvation, this age to come, is broken in. And yet we live right in the middle of it. And so this is kind of tension, and we live right in the middle of that tension. And so here's Paul. He's, he's reflecting that paradoxical tension that's, uh, that's, that's in his life. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm dying, and yet I live. Uh, I'm sorrowful, yet, yet rejoicing. Um, do you ever feel that way? The, the, the life has this paradoxical quality, this tension, 
maybe especially as you're as you're seeking to serve the Lord, that there is this this kind of like you're caught in the middle. There's this, there's this tension. Yeah, I feel like I'm dying, and yet yet I live. I'm, I'm sorrowful, yet yet rejoicing. And if that's the way you feel, it, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Uh, actually, uh, it, it reflects exactly where we are. And again, it echoes Jesus. Okay? Can't you see Jesus here? You think about Jesus' earthly ministry, and wow, this is this is him. Treated as an imposter, yet he's true. Dying, yet behold, he lives. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Yeah, that's that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Uh, so. And so what our lives then are this an echo of that of that paradox in Jesus, that, that tension in Jesus. And and yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, and it's confusing. Uh, but it's also beautiful. Uh, it's also fruitful, right? Like Jesus himself. That's exactly where he was he was bearing fruit. And so he will in us as we're filled with his spirit. Uh, so we have a servant's goal, a servant's life. Now, now very quickly, uh, a servant's heart. Uh, a servant's heart. So these are the, the final verses, 11 to 13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Uh, so here's, here's Paul. He's... He's sharing his heart with those who are kind of keeping their distance from him, emotional distance. Uh, Paul's speaking of his of his deep, deep affection for them. He compares it, he calls them children, not in a, a kind of a derogatory way, but with great affection, like a like a father like opens his heart to his children. There is. That's how Paul is uh, is is loving them and cares for them and has affection. Uh, for them, which is why he urges them to respond, uh, to, to open their hearts to him like he has, uh, like he has, right? A, a servant's heart, right? He, he loves them, cares for them. Again, we could ask, where did that come from, Paul? Um, you think old Paul, uh, that, was, that was the Paul raging with hate for those who were connected to Jesus. And now here he is, uh, and he's overflowing with love for those who are connected to Jesus. What, what in the world happened? Where did that come from? Again, by now we know the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus showed up in Paul's life uh, and, and gave him himself, right? Paul gets Jesus. And you see Jesus here again, don't you? Uh, right? Heart wide open. That sounds like Jesus. Unrestricted, unbounded affection. Right, calling out to those to uh, who he loves to respond in love to him. Right, that's that's Christ. Maybe you, maybe you think of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and he and he weeps over the city. That he he longs for them to uh, to receive him. Uh, maybe you think of Jesus and his words on the cross, Father, forgive them. Uh, or maybe it comes to mind those great words we we read earlier in our service where. Where Jesus calls out, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and, and I'll give you rest. Right? This, this Jesus uh, with a, the heart of a servant, this overflowing love and calling 
out to those who are precious to him. And so there's that unbounded affection of Jesus. We can, we can make it personal. It, it's for me. It's for you, right? Jesus calling out with affection towards you, calling you to, uh, to respond. Uh, and then also to have that heart echo in your life. Right? That's what our service to God is in the world, is to, uh, is to, is to reflect that love of God uh, by loving others uh, and, and by pointing others to, uh, to the love of Christ. It's, it's reflecting that heart. And the more we, we take in Jesus' heart for us, the more it will, be, it will grow in us. It will reflect in us. So, a servant of the Lord. It's what every believer is called to be. One of the Bible's favorite terms for the life of a believer, servant. We don't all serve in the same way. Uh, Paul had a particular service and calling, but, but we're all called to be servants of the Lord and to embody these very things, right? The, the, a servant's goal, that goal of pointing people to Jesus, encouraging them to, to cling to him, uh, that, that life uh, that's, uh, that's a reflection of Jesus, uh, both in both in the the, the, the purity and goodness, uh, but also in the, the hardships and the, the paradoxical tension, uh, and then the heart of a servant, uh, this great love that reflects Christ's love, and remembering all of it as uh, as uh, as a reflection, an echo of Jesus. Uh, so maybe maybe as we're as we're closing, you you can kind of hone in on. On a particular place where where God has you serving Him, All right? A particular place, maybe a particular person, uh, maybe a particular opportunity, uh, and and there's there's it's, it's pretty clear. God's kind of almost shouting it, "Serve me here." Can you think of a place like that in your life? Uh, can you see how Second Corinthians helps? Uh, how Chapter Six helps? How it gives you right there what your goal should be. It helps you see what the, the life he's called you to, uh, what your heart is uh, in that situation. But even and most importantly, see how it points you to the core of that service. Uh, it's all about Jesus. Uh, it's all about uh, taking in his, his servant uh, a heart and life and goal in, in you, how it's transformed you. And, and you meditating on that, just get to enter that situation and, and simply echo it to others. We can't do it by, our, by ourselves. Paul certainly couldn't. We can. Uh, but here's the thing. We're not by ourselves. Bound to Jesus, uh, we have his spirit. We have his strength. And we can watch and see what he does, even through his people. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would strengthen and equip your own. Thank you for the Savior. Thank you for his, uh, Lord, his love and work for us. Uh, we pray that you would, uh, you would shine forth uh, his, uh, his power and salvation in our world, even through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.